Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. I'm Frank Rivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Tuesday evening, huh? It's Fat Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday. And it's it's, fat it Tuesday. Fits me perfectly. I like it. There we yeah, go. It fits, <laughs> yeah, fits, fits me to a T. It's, it would be like any other day for me, but... <laughs> just another day, right? <laughs> yeah, just another day. So, I don't know. Is our is are, 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 are Pochkis uh, popular out by you on this day? Uh, no, I don't know. even know what that is, so I'm going to say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got a pretty... Uh, Milwaukee has a, a relatively uh, large Polish uh, population, so okay. that's probably why they're more popular here. But you know, Pachkis are a—I uh, actually made fun of uh, Matt Santangelo uh, when one of the first times he was on because I told him as he's got some Polish heritage to him, and he's also a man that when you talk to him, you you know he drinks a lot of coffee. Um, <laughs> so I suggested, you know, a couple of Pachkis could help you slow down a little bit. So that's uh, basically it's a—they just you just take everything in the house. I mean. Fat Tuesday, the reason why they get it is you take everything in the house that's fattening, you make shit with it because Ash Wednesday's tomorrow, and that's when you start your fasting right, and what right. you're giving up for Lent and all of that other stuff. So, you know, I mean, potkeys <laughs> are these, they're, they're basically donuts. They this are is an they're educational all, program. I love it. You learn Miguel, things, yeah. Miguel knows what I'm talking about. They're so he does. Good. He does. <laughs> and I'm actually in Pachki withdrawal because I didn't go out and get one. So I'm, uh, I, I, I missed out on those this year. So, um, right. but, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, and I, they're good the day that they're made from scratch. Don't get them like the day after. Okay. So okay. I'm sure they're probably fine then too, but uh, you know, but it is, it is, it is what it is. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> you know, fat Tuesday is kind of, you, you, you just, you, you fatten up uh, to no end because tomorrow you're going to start giving things up for Lent and go on some kind of diet and, and all of this other stuff. So all right. cool. uh, at least that's the way that I understand it. I'm sure people will uh, correct me uh, either in the chat or uh, when they hear this podcast. So, and, <laughs> and they're welcome to do so. It's just my interpretation of it. Everybody can, uh, you know, just they have their own way of doing <laughs> things. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's uh, another stormy day i guess or a uh, big storm coming up on the horizon on thursday so just getting ready for that it's supposed to be going to be you know, up to 10 inches of snow so we'll see uh but yeah it's just been a lot of being at home and uh weathering the ice we've got a lot of ice here recently so uh yeah yeah can't yep. complain i guess otherwise uh we've been we've been battered with a lot of cold weather we got the arctic blast nearly as bad minnesota got like battered with cold um you know like minus 20s and stuff like that we had that for like a wind chill for a little bit but nothing you know nothing necessarily worse than that today we creeped up to 20 uh i almost put on shorts uh so i was, I was so happy but um nice. but uh yeah not not quite ready to do that yet so um but yeah here in uh here in milwaukee we're just getting through that arctic blast and uh hopefully starting to see some days where we can finally get to spring and start doing things outside so hmm. okay um, right on Matter of time, it's right around the corner. So yeah, no kidding. Um, okay. Um, 
a lot to get into. <laughs> I mean, we're loaded today. So uh, if you uh, join us on the chat, please check in with us. Uh, subscribe, drop a like. Uh, helps us out tremendously. If uh, you're listening to the podcast, you can uh, respond to anything you hear here at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, there were a couple of big games over the weekend. We're going to break down those. We'll talk a little bit about Milan losing their grip on the top of the table. Uh, we will uh, break down uh, Juve's prospects as they head to Porto uh, for their Champions League game on Wednesday. We'll take a look at the three Europa League games on Thursday. A little matter of Darby della Madonina. And as always, we will finish up with who won Calcio Twitter. So... Uh, do stick around for that. I know you will. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably just going to fast forward to that and not give a damn about anything <laughs> we're going to say here. So, so either either way, uh, we appreciate it. Um, so uh, let's start at the top, which is now Inter. Uh, big game against Lazio on uh, Sunday. And uh, it would be Inter coming away, Richard, with the 3-1 victory. Um, Inter goes with the lineup that we're used to with the exception of Ericsson, where you'd normally find Vidal and, and Ivan Patisic getting the start at left wing back. Were you surprised by that look? Uh, with the Ericsson move, no, because he had been playing a lot better uh, as of recently, but the Perisic move uh, certainly did because he certainly has been playing fairly poor. And I know over the last couple of games, uh, Interisi have talked about how he's been playing fairly well. Um, so I guess that is not a surprise to an extent, but for me it was, and I, I, I thought there might be go something with maybe like uh, Alexis Sanchez or something like that, but, uh, Ivan Perisic it was, and, uh, he did pretty good in the game overall. So yeah, uh, good, good certain 11. And I think overall that midfield of, you know, Barella, Brozovic and Ericsson, I thought was expected and, um, you know, they, they did what they, you know, we thought they were going to do. So, uh, good on them. No surprises with Lazio starting 11, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, when when you look at these two 11s, is it? I mean, with Erickson and Pettisic included in the lineup, the thing that it, the thing that I got out of it, just jumping into the, jumping into proceedings, is why I had the feeling I said, oh, interest trying to maybe set up to have a little bit more of the ball, you know, by having these guys in the game instead of having Vidal, who, you know, might be a lot more of a box to box guy than Erickson is. Erickson might be learning to be that. Uh, yeah. You know, Ivan Pettisic is definitely more of a winger than he is a wing back. Um, so Inter, Conte set up Inter as if I thought they were going to have a lot of the ball. So it surprised me as the game wore on to see Lazio have such possession. Did it surprise you to see Lazio on the ball more than Inter in this game? Um, you know, kind of, but not really. Cause you know, we, we, the way Inter Lazio has been setting up this season, uh, it's kind of been leaning towards giving another team possession and then trying to play counterattacking and that and, you know that kind of style. But what Conte's bread and butter is has always been has been the counterattack. You let the team have possession and you pick your moments to attack them and then make them pay for it. And that's kind of uh, what we started seeing in the game. And I thought uh, it played perfectly into Conte's hand and just let Lazio go at him, uh, get tired, make mistakes, and then make them uh, make them pay for it. So uh, I think that worked perfectly to Conte's uh, setup in this one. Yep. Um, and uh, Wesley Hood would get a foul in the 20th minute that would give him a yellow card, but it was uh, shortly after that a uh, um, that, no, this was the incident where Hood got booked, um, yep. where he brought down Lukaku in the penalty area, initially not uh, given a penalty um, uh, but upon review uh, they went to have a look at it and Hood got a piece of him uh, and a penalty to enter. This was a very controversial play uh, taken down of Larturo uh, by Wesley Hot. Um, I know a lot of Milanisi and Juventini are going to say this is a BS call. It was a great tackle. And you know, at first glance, when you're watching it, you know, it looks like an old, old time Nesta tackle or something like that. Right? Gets the ball, blah, blah, blah. 
Oh, you watch the replay and you notice uh, that he catches Arturo's back leg first before he gets the ball. Uh, it's a clear penalty to me. Uh, the right call was made. Um, you know, it was funny because, you know, I was going back and forth with Michael Lisi on this because we were talking about how, you know, maybe all the old, old defensive tackles we've seen in the past, uh, maybe they're going to be criticized now if they, we had VAR, would they have counted? You know, who knows? Um, I, do, I do know the Messi, the, the play with Nessa ticked down. Uh, Messi in the box there was a perfect play. I watched the replay every angle. He got the ball first. Anyway, yep. uh, Wesley, Wesley Hood definitely got uh, uh, Larturo's leg first, and I thought um, VAR got this one right. As much as people hated the call, I thought it was a good call, good, correct call, and, uh, yeah, Lukaku steps up and scores a goal. But, uh, yeah, VAR, I'm, I have no no uh, no arguments with that. How about you? So, yeah, no, nah, I, I didn't have a problem with the call either. Um, you know, I've seen that uh, get called and corrected plenty of times. So Miguel agrees um, as well. It, Miguel agrees as well. So uh, 1-0 to enter there, and then uh, they would make it 2-0 before the break, which obviously a goal right before halftime completely changes what managers are going to have to say in the dressing room. And on this one, um, Brozovic plays it. It deflects off a Lazio player and falls to Lukaku, who was in an offside position uh, and scores the goal. But the goal is awarded, and I think this is the correct interpretation because when you look at – it's offside if there is intent on Brozovic's part to play to Lukaku and it deflects off a Lazio player. Um, when you watch the replay, um, Brozovic isn't trying to play to Lukaku. I think he's trying to play to uh, what might have been Perisic, uh, but it looks like he was trying to work the ball. He was trying to get the ball wide, and then it deflects funny off of that. Lazio player and then falls to Lukaku. So in this case, I think the interpretation is that it wasn't the passer's intent to pass to the player in the offside position. Uh, so as a result, um, this is a good goal and uh, it's, it's, it's a legal goal. I, I'm, I'm interested to get your take on it. I don't think even, I don't even think the offside couldn't even come up because I remember looking at the replay and I watched and I don't even think Lukaku was even close to being offsides on that play as well. So I think no matter which way you look at it, whether it's, you know, a uh, direct pass to him and possibly offsides or, or an offside call, whatever you want to call it, I don't think they had a leg to stand on. I think it was a, it was a correct call on that play. Um, and I think, you know, in this play in particular, Perisic deserves a lot of credit. He actually caused a turnover, jumped on a play, got the ball. Uh, ball ends up ricocheting, like you said, hits off of Brozovic, hits off the defender, right to Lukaku, perfect, right place, right time, yeah. um, gets his brace, 300 goal of his career. Uh, but I had no no qualms about this goal. I thought it was called correctly. No matter what the call was, I I, I didn't see anything wrong with that play. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's Inter and Conte taking advantage again of mistakes, and that's what this uh, that's how Conte set them up. And I, I thought uh, killer killer instinct there. Uh, by Lukaku to put it away and getting that kind of gift like that. And uh, don't look now, but he is now tied uh, for the couple Cananieri lead. Remember Lukaku? Uh, guess who picked him? Miguel? <laughs> no, maybe. But uh, you did. Yes, I know. We know you. You picked him as a couple Cananieri. Meanwhile, my guy Duvan Zapata. I don't even know how, if he has five goals this year. So yeah, this could be you know two years in a row of me getting the couple Cananieri right. That'd be could pretty be. cool. So yeah. we'll see. We got a long way to go. So oh, yes. got a long way to go. And, uh, you know, Ibra will catch up a number if he's at the pace he's scoring. If he, you know, plays everything out, he probably will end up getting it. But we'll see. So we go um, in into the uh, halftime. Uh, Inzaghi makes a couple of changes. Gonzalo Escalante coming on for Lucas Leva. Parolo coming on for Hoot. Um Which, you know, which I, I – that one I thought was curious because – 
All right. When you're making these substitutions, well, now you're taking, you're, you're just, you're, you're beefing up your midfield and you're taking out a defender, but it's not really, it doesn't, doesn't look like a positive substitution. Maybe Escalante plays a little bit closer to the uh, penalty area, but I, the Parolo substitution was, I don't know if that was just had anything, if that just had to do with the fact that, you know, Hoots on a yellow and could get another one. Um, what were, what did you make of it? It was that that was all strange to me. It was. Um, I heard the uh, murmurs in the Laziale Twitter that that was the reason you know Wesley Hood on a yellow and they wanted to get him off um, and bring on Parolo, maybe a little bit of pace in there. And it seemed like maybe the call was going to be correct, like just after halftime. Uh, Cherby ended up making a turnover and Parolo, uh, you know, as Larturo goes on a breakaway, feeds it over to Hakimi who has an open shot. Latour and um, Parolo, excuse me, dives in and gets a, sh- a block there. Should thinking maybe this is going to be a good call. We end up seeing what the what the true result was, but yeah, that was a, certainly an odd odd substitution to me. I thought Escalante, I, def, I definitely liked his uh, insertion into the lineup, but Parolo uh, for for Hot was definitely uh, head scratching to me, and I you know we saw how it turned out. Yeah, I mean Parolo, you said something about Parolo adding some pace. I, I I'll, I'll point you to that third compared goal. to Hot compared to Hot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 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 just just want to make sure. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. So, um, let's see. So the 61st minute, uh, there's a, uh, goal for Lazio shades of, uh, Athens, 2007. Um, people, you know, yeah. Yeah. Sergio, Sergei Milinkovic, Savic and Gonzalo Escalante doing their best Andrea Pirlo people in Zaghi <laughs> impersonation. Yeah. Uh, Milinkovic, Savic strikes it. It hits, uh, Escalante on the hip. And uh, it goes in. Uh, whether that is training ground rehearsed or it's an oh, oh look what I found goal for Escalante. They're never going to tell you. No. Um, much like Pirlo and people are never going to tell you that that was planned. So, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, that goal just for a fleeting moment brought Lazio back into this game and probably uh, was a you know when you look at the balance of this game, the sixty five percent possession that Lazio had. This is. You know, possessions lead to chances like this. You draw fouls, you get a free kick in dangerous areas. So finally, a goal that represents, you know, what Lazio did in this game. And I think the consensus was, and you even see Miguel here in the, in the chat saying, you know, Lazio unlucky not to get more out of this game. You know, as much as they, they dominated possession, uh, they looked decent at times, you would expect more goals. And when they finally got this goal, we're thinking, game on, here we go, right? Uh, and, and I know a lot of the Interisi were, were, were harping on the commentators making it seem like this is all Lazio. It should be 7 nothing Lazio. I know Alex made some comments. Uh, I think Nima and some other guys have made some comments as well. So uh, the commentators probably saw it one way, like many people, like all this possession means means they're dominating the game. And it's not necessary because when you play a, a Conte-type team, a team that likes to counter, don't read into statistics, the statistics because uh, you're just feeding into what he likes to do best and, and soak up the pressure and then counter you. Uh, and we saw this over and over in the game. Um, and so, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, the stats are not indicative of how the game turned out. And, you you know, Lazio des- did deserve more, no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, the best team won in this game, the, the right tactics won in this game. And I think uh, Inter uh, certainly found a way to come back quickly after that goal, uh, making it 2-1. And then in the 64th minute, uh, we got to see that pace of Marco Parola <laughs> that Richard is so proud of. Yeah. Um <laughs> Where uh, Romelu, Luka- Romelu Lukaku just abused him on yeah. the counterattack, and uh, you know, and puts the ball across, and 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 it, even Lautaro Martinez can finish that, which he, he did. can barely keep up too. 
Oh yeah, but it was but when the ball came there, it was like okay, good, an easy yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, right in front um, of the goal. Yep. So that uh, that made it three one. I mean, Lazio deserved to get more out of it. I don't mind that, you know. But it's with the possession you have as Miguel states, and Inter were incredibly efficient with their game plan. Again, this reminded me of what they did to Juventus uh, a few weeks ago. They did the same thing here to Lazio. They said, "Okay, have the ball, you know, but." You come a little too far forward and make a mistake. We're going to punish you because we've got, we've got a guy like Lukaku who can hold it. We've got Hakimi who can just bust forward. We got, we got guys like that, and we'll just destroy you going the other way if you leave us, if you leave us with some numbers that we can work against. And I mean, this counterattack goal here, three one. I mean, there's just, I mean, Lazio can't get, can't recover in time. I mean, there's no chance. Um, and this is, those are the kind of situations that Conte tries to get his team set up in. Yeah, and it certainly does. And I, what I think this goal was perfectly representative of how the game was in terms of interbullying um, Lazio around. Yeah, Lazio looked pretty with the, with all the possession and whatnot, but when it counted most, Inter was one being the bullies. Uh, and I'll start from the back. De Vrij, you got to give him credit. He forced the turnover on Immobile. Uh, Brozovic, I bullied him uh, to get the ball, found Lukaku, and then Lukaku noticed it was Parolo, not a defender uh, guarding him, so he went right at him. All credit to him. He just powered past him. Once he got by and Perola tried to catch him up, though, he just you know, shrugged him off. Second, second defender came over to try to help, slid it over to Larturo, like you mentioned, and open, open, you know, tap in for a goal. So, uh, wonderful, wonderfully done by Inter on that play, exactly. So, but I mean, the, the play by DeVry, you know, forcing that turnover on Immobile, if he didn't do that, that goal wouldn't happen. Uh, um, right. so overall, it was just a, it was a great play overall. And I mean, Lukaku, what a beast, goal to be candidate right there, right? This <laughs> manhandling Parolo, poor <laughs> Parolo, man. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So, um, okay, so uh, Inter now win this match 3-1. Uh, they are now top of the table on 50 points. Many, many people predicted this Inter team uh, to win the Scudetto this season. So they are where folks like yourself uh, thought they can be. Yeah. Um, they've, got the, they've got the top. Obviously, we've got the Derby this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you know, games like this, games like what speaks louder about Inter's title credentials, what they did in games against Lazio and Juve, or these away slip-ups at Sampdoria and at Udinese uh, in recent weeks? I mean, obviously what they've done in the big games, um, you know, they've been very inconsistent this season, uh, not to where they could be, you know, in, in terms of potential. They got one of the best depth in the league. Um, but it says something that as cons- inconsistent as they've been this season, they're at the top of the table. Um, you know, the, the two recent games against, you know, Juve and, uh, and uh, Lazio, they did step up in, the, in those games. And many questions, especially Conte in some of these games that, he, that his team don't show up. They did show up. Uh, and so we'll see again with the derby right here on the corner, you know, will his team step up again? Um, it, it says something that their team is maybe peaking for the big games, the right moments. Uh, it helps not being in... Uh, Copa Italia or, or Champions League or Europa League or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, I think they're in a good place. Again, they, their depth that they have is uh, very, very good. And I, I remember I was listening last night onto the Milan Weekly Podcast, and, you know, both guys were saying, you know, Steve and Vinny were saying, their depth is so much better than ours. You know, our, we're doing very well for what we have, but they got good depth. Um, and I think they're finally starting to get the right pieces in. Erickson's getting more involved and obviously having the, the three three bulls up top with Alexis, uh, Larturo, and Lukaku is going to help immensely, right? Uh, so yep. 
yeah, no, Inter are, are doing well and they still haven't reached their maximum potential, I think, in terms of uh, consistent consistency. Uh, once they get that, man, look out. But right now, you know, it looks like both Milanese club, Milanese clubs are pulling away uh, from the from the three and four and everybody else. So uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be a big game coming up this weekend. Uh, convenient for me to make Lukaku the man of the match in this game uh, because of the two goals and the assist. But I mean, it's all the other things that he did in this game: his hold up play, uh, yeah. his ability to help get counterattacks going, his ability to, you know help create some dangerous situations. So, you know, I mean, it, it goes beyond the goals. Sometimes you look at somebody with two goals and an assist and by default, they're man of the match, but there's so much that Lukaku did on the pitch and on, uh, you know, for Inter in this game that, that has him deserving of being such. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a fair shot for him too. Other guys I'd probably look at are probably Brozovic. I thought he played very well. Um, Barella was a little bit quieter than, than normal, but still he, he had a good game and, you know, Hakimi was all over the place. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good group effort of defense. I thought played very well in this game as well. You know, they, they conceded possession, but they didn't break. And I think that was the key. So, um, you know, good on them, but I, I like your shot about Lukaku being man of the match in this one. So, um, Lazio in the end, when you look at the collective of results that happened in match week 22, this really doesn't hurt them. Um, you know, this, this ends their title credentials, but did they really have any, um, you know, yeah. they would tell you that they do. Uh, but the rest of us had, have them anywhere from fifth to eighth, you know, depending on who you are and where you picked them. I mean, Alistair McKenzie with Lazio lounge has them top four. Um, uh, yeah. but you know, I mean, I guess had they won, they would have been in what forty-three points, just six points behind Milan and and seven behind Inter. Or and they would have been fourth. No, no. They would have been. They would have been yeah. fourth. They would have been ahead of Juve. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, they're there, but they're not quite there. If you look at right. some of their games, I mean, I don't put them in, yeah, quite in the top four. Now, there's a bunch of four or five teams maybe playing better than them at the moment, and, and the standings, you know, show that. So I I wouldn't quite put them as title contenders as much as you know maybe some Laziali feel they should be. Sure. Sure. This is. I mean, it's all about top four for them and getting back there and yeah. getting back to the Champions League. And this result, as as disappointing as it was to lose, it doesn't hurt them in the in the grand scheme of things. They're only two points out of fourth, yeah. uh, and three points out of third. So there's still plenty to play for for them, you know. In terms of that regard, it ended obviously a nice winning run that they were on. So, uh, you know, so we'll see uh, if they can pick up the pieces. You know, and go from there. They obviously have a big game next week against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. They'll have a game prior to that, obviously, in the league. Uh, who do they play um, next weekend? Uh, they host Sampdoria. They host Sampdoria okay. on Saturday. Um, so, uh, a game that's that's gettable for them. Obviously, Sampdoria is improved, mm-hmm. um, but it could also be the perfect hangover game after. Losing a tough one to Inter and having Bayern in front of you in the Champions League, it's one of those games that's in the way, but you need it. So uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I come away from this for saying Lazio, in terms of what is, what should be expected of them or what their realistic ambitions are, uh, this game really didn't hurt them. No, yeah, and I, and I think uh, I agree with you on that because considering all the other – pieces that fell this fell over the weekend I, I think they they're still, still sitting in a pretty good spot right now so uh long as they if they can continue to improve and get some better results uh who knows maybe top four is within the reach i mean two points out right now so anything can happen and this didn't hurt them because of a significant result that happened just the day before between napoli and juventus richard 
Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting game, wasn't it? Uh, so Napoli hosting Juventus. We finally get to see these two teams play on the pitch against one another. Uh, I'm looking at the lineups first of the host. Uh, Alex Moret in goal. We wondered who was going to be in goal between him and Ospina. Moret would get the nod in this one. Uh, they went with a uh, back four of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Maximovic, and Rui. Uh, then they went with a midfield of Zelinski, Bakayoko, Politano, and then a front three of Insigne, Lozano, and Osiman. Uh, pretty standard lineup. I mean, um, you know, didn't have, you know, Ruiz in the lineup and some other guys, maybe Elmas, maybe deserved a shout. Uh, but what was your, what were your thoughts on uh, Napoli's uh, starting 11 in this one? I mean, first of all, I mean, it's a boost for them to have awesome men back. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, th- I didn't think they'd have him back for this game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, 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 you know, Petania is, just a he's 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 more of a cement boot guy he's a guy that is just got to park himself in the in the 18 yard area i don't like the lack of dynamics he has in comparison to awesome and i think this team operates better with awesome and obviously leading the line or if you play mertens in a false nine role um so you know so having somebody much more dynamic in the striker position i think was was something that was going to be a boost, uh, you know, for Napoli. Um, you know, Rachmani and, and Maximovic is just by default their center back pairing right now. You know, Koulibaly's been out with COVID. Uh, Manolas has the ankle injury. And, you know, coming into this game, I thought that these would be the two guys that would really, really hurt Napoli's chances. Uh, in this game, because when you look at how they they had to pair together against Genoa, they were beaten in a game that they dominated possession and had a ton of chances. And now you got two center back, but Genoa counters on them or what limited possession that they have and opportunities they take advantage of. And, you know, you can sit there and say, well, we're going to be dominating possession. We're going to have all these chances. It doesn't matter who we play at center back. It actually does. Yeah. Um, It really does. Now, you have because if you have two center backs who don't have a lot of continuity and don't have a lot of sample together, okay, they're going to have very different chances are good that they're going to have very different ideas in certain counterattacking situations. And if they're not connected, there's a lot of there's a lot of spaces that can be attacked. Um, and that's what Genoa did. I mean, the you know, uh, where was I think that Pondev had a nice turn on one of the defenders and the other one wasn't anywhere to be found to help. Um, you look at the Coppa Italia game against Atalanta. Zapata scores a beautiful first goal there, but <laughs> does he have that kind of space if Koulibaly's in the game? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, even from where he went and went back and got the ball, you know, Koulibaly is in all likelihood confronting him, you know? So it was things like that, that had me nervous about this in a game where I thought maybe Napoli would have it more. And that is trouble with Ronaldo and Morata running at them you know, and other guys that can run yeah. at them on the break. I thought we were in for something like that. And I had a, I, I went into this thinking Juve would win this two, one. Yeah. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. And, the game. and and really because of the center backs and it, and it just so turns out Romani and, and Romani and, and Maximovic might've been the two best players on the pitch. Yeah. Romani was probably my player of the game in this yeah, one. Um, me too. I, you know, Rachmani had all this uh, hype about him coming from from Verona last year, had a great season, and then, you know, it comes over to Napoli, and it's hard to get, you know, intimidated into a new team, uh, you know, catch up with everybody. And, I, you know, I thought going into the season, maybe Rahmani and Koulibaly together could be a formidable defensive pairing. But for whatever reason, it just hadn't worked out for Rahmani. Um, and Maximovic is, you know, up and down, sometimes really good, sometimes not so much. 
Uh, but I thought they both played well in this game. Uh, Romani certainly stood on his head a lot of the times and played very well. Big, big, you know, timely in a lot of his tackles uh, and blocks as well. So, yeah, uh, it was a very interesting lineup. lineup. Uh, you know, even the comments that here is uh, Romani was a beast. And, yeah, he certainly was. Um, even Stevie's jump chiming in. He says, uh, I thought Napoli was going to get killed and it was going to be bye-bye Gattuso. I mean, we all did. Uh, everybody, the rumor was if Gattuso lost his game to to Juventus, he was gone, uh, and he said, I, I, "I would have been against." I mean, I would have been madly against oh, it me too. because me I too. mean, it's like you can't, you know. I mean, you're 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 trying to navigate yourself through some of these games without your two first choice center backs and without your first choice striker. Um, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's just something that I was not going to agree with. If if Catusa was going to be a fall guy in this situation, yeah, I think it would have been incredibly harsh. He's done amazing for Napoli, you know, for what you know, considering what he's he's he's. His skill set coming into this, so I mean, he, he just he's grown before our eyes in terms of being, being a manager. So, um, looking over at the Juventus lineup, uh, they had a fairly center lineup. Uh, Wojciech Chesney in goal, obviously. They went with the back four of Cuadrado, Matteo De Ligt, Giorgio Chiellini, and Danilo. Uh, midfield three of uh, Federico Chiesa, Adrian Rabio, and Rodrigo Bentancur with a front three of Bernadeschi, Morata, and Ronaldo. Uh, your thoughts in the lineup? Uh, obviously, Chiesa has been playing really well as of late. Seems to be fitting very nicely into Pirlo's system. Uh, but uh, the choice of Bernadeschi, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, many people have uh, polarizing opinions, mostly on the negative about uh, Bernadeschi. Weird. Um, yeah, wasn't it? Because he's crap. Uh, for <laughs> don't don't miss your words. Yeah, I. You know, <laughs> you got a guy like Mario Rui who will come forward and he'll cross it a lot. And you're going to put Bernadeschi in 1v1 situations with him where Kuliszewski probably should have played this game from the start. Um, you know, that's that that that's one thing that I spotted from this. Um, and it was also a midfield that, okay, you're going to go with Bernadeschi. It was almost like it was – like Pirlo was going crazy here and it was almost like a four, two, four where you have Ronaldo, Morata, you know, Chiesa and Benedeschi who are all attack minded players. And usually you see some degree of balance um, with whoever the left midfielder or the right midfielder is. If it's a game that McKenney plays from the start, for example, right. um, it looks like um, it looked to me like uh, uh, Ramsey was not, Ramsey's not available. It's uh, you know, Danilo they had operating on the left you know, why not play a back three with Danilo, uh, Delict, Chiellini? You know, Chiellini can get into a cage match with Osiman like he did with Lukaku, and then you could have Alexandro playing from the start. I think it was just a little too cautious from Pirlo. I thought he had a chance to go ahead, get aggressive here, and get three points and have a shot at uh, have a shot at moving into third, um, or or clinging to third and and inching yeah. toward the Milanese sides. And I think that, you know, we're, there there have been moments where Pirlo has been excellent with his team selections, and there are moments where he's just been absolutely head-scratching. And I'd like to hear from Juve fans. I don't think there's really a middle ground with Pirlo's team selections here. He's either going to nail it or he's going to royally screw it up. That's kind of where I'm at with him as a manager right now. The Coppa Italia second leg against Inter, he nailed it. I mean, 0-0, Delict and and uh, Demorel were just brilliant. The whole, I mean, it was, a, it was a fantastic choice in, in lineup and, and and tactics. And then this one, it was the opposite almost. Yeah, I, I don't think there is a middle ground because it's either he nails it or he gets it completely wrong. 
Um, and so it's, it's interesting with that. And it's funny, you know, some of the comments in here about Bernadeschi and you know, Santa Fiorentina. And it's funny because we all knew Bernadeschi, I agree with Steve, he should have stayed at Fiorentina. We knew he was bad. And so when Chiesa made the move to, Fior- uh, to Juventus, many thought, is he going to be a flub just like, just like Bernadeschi, right? Struggle, not be able to acclimate into the team, right? But, uh, and it started out that way. But over the last month or so, he's really grown into this team and he's starting to take a more uh, leading role with this club. And it's been uh, a nice change to see Chiesa, you know, maybe he'll eventually live up to the hype that we were, were seeing that when we were Fiorentino when he first came on the scene. Um, I thought his combination play with uh, Morata and Ronaldo early on was very good. I mean, he was all over the pitch. He was on the left side, he was on the right side. Uh, he was doing some good things for 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 Juventus at, at the onset of this game, but uh, pretty pretty well balanced matchup uh, at least early on in this one, Frank. Um, <laughs> the key moment, I guess, of the first half, I guess you want to say, it was around the 30th minute or so. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini decides to bitch slap Rahmani in the box. Uh, this would be a penalty. It would go to VAR. The right call would be made. Um, it would be a penalty. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne would step up, would score the penalty kick goal. Uh, before we get to the goal, um, your thoughts on uh, Chiellini and his uh, love tap on uh, on Rahmani there in the box? Well, I mean, it's 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 a penalty. I mean, yeah. When 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 you've got your arm out like that, you know what you're doing. So, um, and you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. So I I, I couldn't. I couldn't say not a penalty to that. And, and Lorenzo Insigne takes it and it sets the tone for, okay, we've scored. You now have to come and get us. Yeah. So, and, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, and that's risky to do for over an hour's worth of football when you yeah. figure in the stoppages, but that's, uh, that's, that's what they went with. But yeah, you know, you're down, you're right. It's, it's clear penalty. Um, like I said, Killing didn't know what he was doing. Um, so, uh, and he got caught. So it's just, uh, it's just the way it is. Maybe he thought he was Suarez. I don't know. Who who knows? Maybe he just lost himself there. But uh, everyone everyone agrees that's that's a clear penalty there by uh, Killing. I've even seen Juventino where it was like, yeah, that's a penalty. What is he doing? Surprising it was a a a bigger call than it was, um, in terms of what kind of card he got or you know what didn't get. Um, so anyway, we went to halftime by that scoreline, and as you mentioned, you know. Uh, Napoli, you know, put, took the foot off the pedal, and it was all Juventus trying to get back into the game. Have a lot of more shots. They forced Moret to make plenty of big saves in this game. Um, again, I, you know, I mentioned Chiesa. I thought it was a bright spot in, in this game for Juventus all over the pitch. Uh, he actually forced Moret to make a big save. Uh, shot went just wide. Um, uh, one of the comments of the game was uh, Ronaldo having an opportunity getting a, a high ball. We saw a few weeks ago Zlatan getting a ball probably like seven feet in the air with his legs. No problem, right? And Ronaldo has a ball that's like, you know, five foot in front of him and he could barely get his leg up that high to get a shot off, a weak shot at that that mm. uh, Moret saved. Um, I'm going to come to Ronaldo's defense on this because the ball was a little bit behind him, so it's hard to get the angle right. Uh, but yeah. it did look funny. It did look like he was. It did look like an old man on that play uh, trying to reach up that high to get the to get a shot off, but uh, unsuccessful nonetheless. Um, lots more opportunities for Juventus in the game. They seemed to grow stronger as the game went on, really trying to create more opportunities. Alexandra had a nice low driven shot uh, that nearly found uh, Ronaldo on the back post. I mean, inches just missed that to make it a one-one game at that point. Um, and then obviously late in the game, you know, another good quality opportunity. Uh, Morata, I believe, um, he had a uh, point blank save. But so, what? Where in this game did you think? I mean, obviously, Juventus is going to have a lot of possession in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think? Napoli did well in terms of soaking up that pressure because it's something you don't really want to do against a team that has the Ronaldos of this world 
uh, given more opportunities to get take shots. I, I, you know, we talked about this earlier for Armani and Maximovich and these and the defenders. They did really well. They they bend, but they didn't break. Um, um few things that I watch when when, it, when I watch Napoli play here, and especially when you know, and I, I let's just focus on the second half because yeah. you know it's. Juventus had a two to one possession edge. They outshot Napoli in the second half by them in the second half only eighteen to one, Crazy. with five with five chances on target. Yeah. Um, Merit making some. I, I think there was one real key point blank save. Was it on Murata? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. that was probably the toughest save he had to make the whole game. Other than that, his other five saves it didn't look like there was too much of him to be asked. Too much was being asked of him. Yeah. Um, you know, so when uh, you're going to play that kind of game, if you're going to low block, if you're going to drop off, if you're going to invite the other team to have the ball, um, you have to know when the shots are coming, okay? And you have to be confident that, okay, we're going to let you have this one because we know our goalie can get it, okay? But anything – in this dangerous area, we're going to have numbers. We're going to be around you. You're not getting anything off here or there. And I thought that um, it was – Napoli were extremely organized in what they set out to do. Um, and then when you take a look at the substitutions that they made, Elmas coming in, Ruiz coming in, Labotka coming in, these are guys that can further clog things up. Petania came on for Osiman as, okay, you're a fat guy. And maybe you'll get under one that we send forward. Yeah. And if you don't, just you know, keep your shape with everybody. And <laughs> that's what they did. And they defended like they defended like dogs. They played a committed team game, uh, you know, for the remainder of the second half. And only Italians uh, can find an appreciation for that kind of football. <laughs> We're the only sure. culture on this planet that is okay with what Napoli did. <laughs> you know, I would not even say it was shit housing. Uh, because they went out and scored first. Because I mean, for the first thirty minutes, the possession was not that discrepant. Okay, it was. Yeah, it's, it's you close. know, it was a lot closer. You know, and it was more of a game. And then Napoli got their goal, and like I said, they scored. And Gattuso said, "Okay, Pirlo, come and get me." Yeah, you know. So you beat us. And if you can get, you know, we're here's what we're gonna do. And if you can get around us, or if you can get through us, good for you. It's funny because. Pre-match, there was a interview that they gave to Pirlo, and they asked him, "What what what is his thoughts of you know if if his win against Gattuso would force Gattuso to be you know to lose?" He goes, "It's fine with me." I'm like, "I have no problem with that." I mean, you expect him to say that, but you know, Gattuso basically said, "Hey, we scored a goal. Let's see you beat us now. You know, we're gonna we're yep. gonna play discipline and see what you can do." Uh, what were your thoughts on Osimhen's in this game? It's obviously his first game back in a while, and uh, he seemed like he wasn't quite there. And it's obviously natural you're gonna have some rust on yourself. Um, but what was your thoughts on his overall play in this game? Rusty. Yeah. Um, a lot of things were mistimed. He wasn't the same impact that we saw at the early early onset of the season. Uh, yeah, the connection's obviously. not. I mean, it, it'll it is going to take another game or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you know? Do you run him out against Granada on Thursday and try to give him more uh, give him more reps, or do you make that a Patania game? I would start Patania and bring him on in the second half. Maybe he needs to be on that, sure. on that pitch, okay. but he needs to get more pitch time for sure. But certainly. He's going to give you a hell of a lot more to think about when you're trying to get a goal uh, than Batania is. Yeah, you know, at this stage yeah. of Batania's oh, yeah. career. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought just for that very reason, it was vital to have him out there. Um, you know, they traveled to Granada and then they traveled to Napoli after that. So, 
Um, and then the home game with Granada. So a big, big couple weeks here coming up for Napoli in terms of, uh, you know, some of their uh, seasonal prospects now. Um, you know, especially with now not being in the uh, – not making the Coppa Italia finals. So, but yeah, uh, awesome end for me. Um you know, give it a couple more games. And uh, I think that you'll, once he kind of gets his legs back under him, he'll be, he'll be good to go. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree about that. Uh, man of the match for me, if you, who are, who are your two best players for one player for each team uh, in this game? Cause it was a close game. Um, obviously Juventus had the majority of the position in the second half, but Napoli deserved the win. They got the win. Uh, who's your best player? And I, I know you mentioned some center backs earlier. Uh, is that who you're going with? Yeah, I mean, Rah- 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 Rahmani for me for for Napoli was the best player for them. Yeah, um, I, I would say Merritt. He had one point blank that he kept out. Yeah, um, but the other five didn't really didn't really ask too much of him. Um, yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but I thought, you know, considering where that combination of center backs had been in the previous two games, to turn up and play like that you know, and deal with the onslaught with very, very limited time playing together was very, was very impressive. Um, I thought Chiesa was the best player for Juve. I mean, just crossing and shooting everything in sight. I mean, he was basically what Lorenzo Insigne is to Napoli. I mean, he just hammered away at everything. He just, he threw the kitchen sink at, at, at Napoli and just didn't, didn't score, didn't, didn't assist. So. He's becoming a, a focal point of that team. Uh, you know, yes, there's Ronaldo, but uh, obviously somebody else needs to step up and Chiesa is starting to step up. He's playing a lot better. Um, looking, looking the part. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I, agree, when, I agree with both picks. It's crazy. Cause when that transfer happened, I'm like, why? Yeah. You know, and, and now he's gotten games under his belt and he's getting more and more acclimated with playing for them. He's clearly been a better player for them than Bernardeschi has been. I think part of that is Pirlo experimenting on where he puts him, right? Because we saw him in wing back. We see him in different variations of where to put him. And I think Pirlo finally found a spot for him that he has a direct impact in, in, on all the offensive plays. And, uh, yeah, he's taking with it and running with it now. And, uh, yeah, he looks he looks good. And he's uh, every bit of motivated, it looks like, in each game. He's um, – I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make any slight comments against uh, Juventus here. I'll, I'll hold from that. But yeah, no, Kays has been doing very well for them. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's looking good for them. Yeah, um, Ricky's in the house. Lukaku fires into the first. You're late. We we already covered that one. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> awesome is it? If Napoli turn him loose, he'll be outstanding. Absolutely. I you know yeah. I think after coming off the injury, he needs a game or two. Um, you know, get the timing down with the guys around him, and I think he's gonna he's going to cut loose and score a ton of goals here, uh, you know, from here on out. And then if they can recover Manolas and Koulibaly, this is a much, much better Napoli team uh, than the one that was having the issues here with, Gattu- you know, with Catuso and the question marks at ADL uh, might can him after this one. And, you know, all of this other stuff, which again, I would have, I would have ripped De Laurentiis to bits if, if, yeah, if he sacked Catuso over, over this game and over this slight run. You know, I think it was uh, a new mustache that really got them to win. You know, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> could hey, by, the, be. by the way, Ricky, uh, we want to say congratulations on being first place. You have a couple. You have it for, for a couple of days, and then you're losing on, on Derby. But yeah, I digress. We wanted to give it to you. So we wanted to give it to you for the in, in time for the Derby. I think that's what it was. So that's right. False um, that's right. All right. So why don't we batch the rest of these? I guess I can just whip right through them if you want. Sure. sure. So all right. So. Uh, Friday, it all began with uh, Bologna and Benevento. Um, at long last, we have a goal from Nicolas Sansoni in the very first minute. 
Uh, only Musa Barrow would know if he intend if he was trying to cross it over to Sansoni or if that was a deflected shot that happened to fall to him. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Viola with a goal of the week candidate. Lovely little back heel on the hour um, uh, to uh, square the match. Uh, game that saw quite a few shots in this game, 26 in total. Um, so uh, – uh, one one draw there. Torino and Genoa again. Genoa grabbing another point. Uh, they've moved up to eleventh. Uh, they will not be top half of the table as I predicted after <clears throat> after uh, you know over the next two games after match week twenty three. That can't happen. But yeah. they are sitting in eleventh on twenty five points. It's nil nil the final. They outpossessed Torino, Richard. They outpossessed a, a Balladini man at Genoa outpossessed somebody. Crazy. It's crazy. 2020. Oh, wait, we're at 2021 now. Sorry. <laughs> what, what, what live, what, what world are we living in? Oh my goodness. Oh my. And then, um, uh, Saturday night, we already talked about Napoli Hube and then Saturday night was, uh, Milan at Spezia and, Ugh. uh, oh, boy, did Milan pick the, pick a I'm glad one team showed up. Yeah, they one team showed up, and it wasn't the uh, team at the top of the table. Boy, did they! This was banter era level stuff from the Rossoneri. Uh, seven shots with none on target, and you know, and uh, they had no answer for of all people, Kevin Agudelo. Um, Saponara came back. To Saponara. He was he was pretty good. Maggiore <laughs> scoring, Bastoni scoring. Yeah. Um, you know, Estevez is Estevez is looking like a decent player too. Yeah. Um, I'll just say this. I did not expect that kind of game out of Agudelo, and I think Italiano was very smart to start him over Galabinov. I think Galabinov would have been that stuck-in-the-mud center forward that would have been very, very predictable for Kyer and Romagnoli to deal with. You get Agudelo, and he was getting the ball, and he was running at them, and oh, he yeah. asked a lot of questions uh, You know, and overall made, uh, made this Milan defense uncomfortable uh, time and time again in this game. I thought Agudelo was the Agudelo was probably the best player in this game. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that first goal where Maggiore scored. I mean, he like you said ran at the defense and they shredded the Milan defense in that first goal. I mean, you would have thought this is Milan doing on Spezia, not Spezia on Milan. I mean, what a goal that was! And then obviously the set piece goal, but Agudelo, uh, he was uh, magnificent in the game. I agree, but I agree with that with you. Yep. Um, Chalinolu was awful. Salamakers was worse. Uh, Benister got some got some playing time. Kessie was bad. I mean, everyone was bad. I, I couldn't think of a good player. Dalo was horrible. Yeah, uh, and Sapanata looked like an all star. Um, it was just a poor performance overall. I mean, you got to give Spezia credit. They fought yep. them hard, but I mean, the worst, like, I agree with Steve. Worst performance of the season, easily. Yeah, yeah, bad day all the way around. But I mean, Kevin Agudelo, which you know, like I said, if if this was Galabinov starting, I think Milan. Figures out a way to get a point out of this game because Galabinov is a totally different striker from Agudelo. Yep. He's a guy that sits in the box and wants service. And now you're putting the onus on Saponata and Giassi, which I think Milan would have been happy with. Yeah. Um, I think the key telling staff for me in this game was one yellow card for Milan from Dalo. I mean, nobody else had a yellow because there's no freaking passion in the game. Nobody trying. I mean, where's where's the where's the anger when you're getting when you're getting outplayed by a team like Spezia, right? You, you should be fouling guys, tackling the hard. If this was a Gattuso era team, you know, when he was playing, he would have been getting a red card at this point in the game, you know, halfway through. So there was no passion whatsoever from anybody on that team. It was it was terrible to watch. No, I mean, it's a Spezia team that has been competitive. Let's not 
short sell them here, but no, for sure, for sure. But yeah, they beat Napoli a few weeks ago. If you're at the top of the table, you have to put a little bit of effort into this. You can't just sure. expect to show up and win. And sure. you know, look at Inter; they came up and they you know they beat Lazio in this game. And I mean, they game. beat they beat Napoli a few weeks ago, and they beat them at the Maradona. You know, they they nearly came back to to get something out of their game with Roma. Roma ended up winning four three. So that they've competed. All yeah. right. You know, so, you know, if you're looking at it as a Spezia supporter, and I'm just trying to look at it from their point of view, you know, they were eventually going to get a result like this against a good team. I don't think they could have dreamed up beating Milan. No. We uh, we thought they were going to be a fight, right? We, we knew it was going to be a fight going into this. Oh, yeah. We said that last week. Um, I think Don Totti came in and said, had a tweet said, uh, Spezia actually have a better record against the top six than Roma too. <laughs> Uh, sad but true, but yeah. Everybody has a better record against the top six than Roma, though. Uh, fair <laughs> so, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, so you know, so we should probably you know give Spezia some credit here because they've actually been playing and performing well. The results themselves have been mixed. You know, you're just trying to find some silver lining for our Milan fans, um, but uh, you know. I I went and I I know I I did not expect Agudelo to have the performance that he did. Um, I don't think anybody any casual fan could have seen that. Um, I actually thought um, not having Enzola was going to be an advantage for the Rossoneri, but but it turned out Agudelo st- certainly uh, you know filled in ad- admirably for him. So I you know I want to give a lot of I mean as as bad as Milano were, I want to give a lot of credit to Spezia and the job that Italiano's doing. Uh, you know, getting that team. We all had them for twentieth. You know, full stop, and they are 13th right now, and they are nine points clear of the drop. And yeah. if they can continue to accumulate points, they're going to be back next year. So, yeah. you know, they good. On, they deserve yeah. it. Yeah, good on them. Good on them. Uh, you know, Sunday morning, most of us were in bed, but if you woke up, you probably were a Roma supporter or or Sonia. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope Sonia didn't wake up for this poor thing. Uh, Roma three, Udinese nil. Uh, Veratu from Mancini in the fifth minute, and then he would get a penalty in the 25th. Uh, Pedro, uh, sealing this in the uh, 93rd. Um, a, a game that was just controlled from start to finish by uh, uh, by Roma. Uh, nothing else to say there. Uh, all right, so um, Kagata, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was Kagata, uh, or Kagata, <laughs> so. And, and this game was Kagata, if you were watching it, uh, believe it or not, between you know two teams with some quality. But it was uh, Atalanta with most of the possession, most of the chances. Uh, Di Francesco clearly trying to play for the point or trying to shithouse it. Uh, but in the end, uh, that man, Luis Muriel, who just shows up and scores goals uh, in, in the 90th minute. Uh, giving Atalanta the win, one nil over Cagliari. So, um, but uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, other than that, not a whole lot to get excited about from that game. Uh, Sampdoria Fiorentina, two one to Sampdoria. Uh, Ranieri continuing to get results. Uh, Keita Balde in the thirty first minute. Vlaovic just six minutes later equaled it. But old man Quagliarella, uh getting that service from Antonio Candreva, much like that uh, that PR. Uh, <laughs> yeah thing that Sampdoria did at the beginning of the season. Now we get to yeah. see it. I think that's the first time they've hooked up on a goal um, this year. So and It ends up being the uh, – he's now joint t- joint second in uh, Sampdoria history with 92 goals, 
um so uh, you know wonderful i i for sure thought he had more goals with Sampdoria, but you know he's i have to remember he's been at other other clubs as well so yeah, yeah. he's been a journeyman uh you know yeah. so to speak so but uh but but good for him uh and uh good for Ranieri's men who uh continue to pl- continue to hang out in 10th right now on 30 points um this looks like i mean we always talk about those teams that'll hit the beach um in a few weeks' time, if Sampdoria can, can accumulate a few more points, these guys are all old enough and experienced enough that this will be your classic hit-the-beach team over the last you know six or seven match weeks of the season, don't you think? Yeah, I think if they can get like 10 more points, get to that 40-point mark, I think they'll be like, all right, we can cruise now. No worries. Yeah, we're good. Take time off, you know, get Gabby Dina some more pitch time. Who knows? We're not, we're not going to make Europe. We're not going to get relegated. We're just no. going to kind of be middling between 8th and 12th. We'll just yeah. – uh, you know, what's the difference whether we finish eighth or 12th? So, um, uh, so Fiorentina, I mean, it's just like it's it's near miss after near miss for Prandelli. I, I'm willing to go to bat for him right now because he's getting close. I mean, they played well against Inter the week before and and, yeah. and lost. They were down to nine men against, you know, scratched out a point out of that. They did beat Crotone. You know, here we are, another game that is winnable for them. And they did everything they could to win. Um, Aldo made five five nice saves in this game. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the things you got to take a look at. I mean, when I'm looking at Fiorentina right now under Prandelli, I'm seeing performance. What sucks for him and what sucks for Fiorentina supporters is that it's just not results. Um, so I hope Comiso is not going to cut bait with this guy because, I mean, I get it, 22 points. In 16th, seven clear of safety. By all accounts, that's pretty safe. But you need to start getting some wins to go with the kind of football that they've been playing lately. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned how Aduro made some big saves, made it hard for Fiorentina. Biragi, I thought had a good game, but even when you beat Aduro, Kali was there on the line to make a goal line clearance. Yep. Um, you know, it just, they've, they've done some things really well, but they still, they're still missing a couple pieces to, to tighten up on the back end. And they're giving up these goals still like that goal of Quagliadella. He was wide open there at top of the box to get that goal in for, uh, his 92nd for um, Sampdoria. So they're doing some things well. Um, I thought that, you know, good pressure by them on, the, on their goal where Vlaovic scored. I mean, uh, Adura made a great save. It looked like a double save initially on Vlaovic, uh, but, it, you know, the replay showed that the ball did cross the line there. So, you know, persistence on plays like that where if it doesn't go your way, you still attack the ball and try to get it in the, in the goal, right? We've seen this on penalty kicks where uh, the, the team who kicks it, kicks it, and no one else comes in the box to, to, to back it up. You need to have that fight in there to get goals. So they're doing some good things in there. They just need to shore up some things, especially defensively, and maybe they can start, finally start getting some wins. They're very close. Um, and I feel you with the with Prandelli, but, um, yeah, they, they need to do something quick or, you know, who knows? Maybe he will be looking for a job. Who knows? I mean, I, I think they're doing okay right now, but uh, you never know with uh, with uh, Comiso. Playing well, but this is a business and you need to win. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so I I, I I do go to bat for for Prandelli in that instance. So it's just a matter of trying to string together, you know, some wins here to just try to get some kind of safety and get some kind of motivation going. Um, uh, Domenico Berardi is back from injury. Sassuolo got to pick on Crotone. Uh, and they won 2-1 in a game that wasn't even that close. Uh, uh, Sassuolo outshot Crotone 23-6 to uh, and had 64% possession, but it would be Berardi getting on the score sheet uh, played by Caputo, Caputo himself, uh, scoring on a penalty in the 49th minute. The uh, Nero Verdi, they're getting them all back. They're getting them all back for the stretch run. 
They're in eighth on 34 points. I had them seventh. I had them hitting one of the European places this season. I st- I still, with Perardi back now, and if they can get some continuity and stay healthy, I still won't think they're out of a European spot. Yeah, obviously with the fire the firepower that they have offensively, you got to give them a chance and uh, to to make that seventh spot or even maybe, maybe six, who knows. Um, you see what it meant to have Berardi back. Uh, he was almost he asserted himself into lineup immediately, uh, got that goal, had some nice plays throughout the game. Uh, they missed him. They obviously missed him. We thought maybe you know missing Caputo would be would be the big one, but it seemed like Berardi, he's been the one who's really been leading this team, uh, pulling the strings all season long. And so having him back, having having the cast back for, for the most part, um, it's important for them. And now we'll see now with everybody healthy, can they get back onto that role that they were in the beginning of the season where they were just so beautiful to watch offensively, um, outscoring teams, uh, getting goals for once, right? Because they've been struggling in, the, in that department. So, um, yeah, I think having him back and having the cast back, they have a, a serious opportunity to make a run uh, into that top seven. So uh, we'll see. Uh, fingers crossed just for the neutral that, you know, wait to see some beautiful football again. Um, and yeah, I'm just glad to see Berardi back because uh, who, who would have thought that we'd be talking about how important of a player he is uh, for, for Sassuolo as he is this season. So MVP of the season for me, for them. <laughs> Crotone came at a damn good time for them too. Yeah. Um, Unas you know, looked good. Unas looked good, I thought. But that's about yeah, it. Yeah, Unas looked good for Crotone. And they, yeah, that's been the one, you know, one of the yeah. few redeeming things about them. You know, Sassuolo had gone on a stretch where they had five, five consecutive uh, winless in the league, so they needed that win. Now they host Bologna next, uh, and then at Torino before hosting Napoli. Ooh, this could get fun. Um, we'll see. Uh, but you know, and then they go to Udinese after that. So a, a stretch here. And Sassuolo seems to me, and when you think about them playing at the restart, they seem to me to be the team that plays well when it's nicer out. The weather's getting nicer now. Um, just one of those things. One of those things that I tend to notice that their football works in better weather conditions. It doesn't work in the winter. It doesn't doesn't work in the deep cold. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, it's just my I'm I, I picked them to finish seventh. I picked them to to go to Europe. I I've got to try to come up with any kind of reason to still say that they can do it because <laughs> they're not out of it. So another team that's not out of it is Hellas Verona in terms of European football. Uh, they beat Parma two one. Um, Kuchka gets a penalty for Parma to put them ahead in the eighth minute. Uh, in the thirteenth minute, it was an Alberto Grassi own goal uh, off of a shot from uh, that man Federico Di Marco, who had another brilliant game here. Uh, he would later assist Antonin Barak in the sixty-first minute. Federico Di Marco is going to make a lot of money somewhere else soon, isn't he? He is, he is, and I think uh, Interisi want him back, uh, back in their lives again. We'll see if that'll happen or not. But uh, yeah, he's he's an excellent player, and he's going to make someone very happy that they they signed him. So hopefully, wherever he goes, he he fits in fits in nicely and can still contribute. You know, we've seen so many times players make these big moves, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Bernadeschi. <laughs> so uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I hope he, uh, for hoping for his sake because I, li- I do like the player. I like him and Zakani. Hopefully, they both you know they'll make some moves to a bigger club and uh, continue on in the progression, and you know maybe get some national team call ups here for for their for their excellent work. So yeah, here's hoping they do they do that. So Johnny rules twenty seven. Good to see you. Welcome aboard. Hey, what's up, man? Bruins not playing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he's on. That's, is that is that why he's joining us? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so. 
Hey, we, hey, that happens, you know. Sometimes I don't want. Sometimes I don't want to be here when 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 one of my favorite teams is playing. But yeah. you know, I'm committed. That's right. <laughs> I'm committed. So um, goals of the week. Um, I have one, the viola goal. Um, okay. I you know I think that the back heel cleverly done. I mean, the well, I, I don't have them in any order, but I have the viola goal. I have the. Unas goal, um, La Tower, basically because of the intercounter attack and the uh, uh, and the uh, the work that Lukaku did. Yeah, probably coming up with just those three. Um, what do you got? Yeah, so uh, I, I actually had the uh, Viola goal actually snuck out of my top five. I mean, it made my honorable mention. Okay, uh, coming number five for me, Bastone from Spezia, not from Inter. Uh, Bastoni's set piece goal was nice trickery by Spezia on the on the second goal. Uh, number four for me, Adam Unas making uh, making Pelosu look like uh, Parolo on that play. I mean, it's completely just you know embarrassing him and getting that goal. Uh, he had a great game overall. I thought Unas the one bright spot for Crotone. Uh, number three for me, Luis Muriel beating two guys, getting the game winning goal in the 90th, 90th minute. Um, super sub. What more can you say about Muriel? Uh, number two for me is Inter's goal is Lukaku's uh, man handling on Parolo. I mean, just completely destroyed him. Uh, but just the whole play from, you know, DeVry to Brozovic to Lukaku to Larturo. Yeah. Uh, wonderfully done there. And I'm a team. Uh, my number one is Insigne's penalty kick. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a team I'm a team play, team goal kind of guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, Milanisi, cover your ears. Uh, Spezia's team goal, Maggiore's goal against Milan, the first one of the game. I thought it was a thing of beauty. Um, Agudelo running at the defense and then you know tic tac toe passing and finding Majority on the on the on the back end. Uh, well done, well done. Yep, yep. I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate any of those either. So I, I can only come up with three that I really, really like out of the out of the bunch. So I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it to that. What goal of the week? Uh, Insigne <laughs> penalty. <laughs> I almost made it. I almost made it. My goal of the week. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some previews. Uh, we'll start with the uh, Champions League. It's back in our lives. Uh, we had Moise Ken looking outstanding and uh, uh, creating so much distraction for that Barcelona defense so Kylian Mbappe could get his hat trick. I thought that was very good of him to yeah, play nice. that role. So, um, you know, you know, and he got a goal for himself, so good for him. A lot of former Serie A players did well in that game for PSG. Yeah, Verratti was outstanding. Verratti. Um, in particular, I thought Paredes, he had a nice game. Lorenzi, Icardi had did a good game. So, yeah, Moise Keane, obviously. Yeah. Um, yep. And Mbappe, the former. No, he's not a former. Maybe a future <laughs> Serie A player. Who knows? Maybe a future City. You never know. Never you never know. know. Never know. Um, so, we have Porto taking on Juve. Um, and uh, an interesting one. I mean, logic would tell you that Juve should take care of business here. Um, or at least get something that they can take back to the J that'll work for them. Um, what are your thoughts on this one going in? What do you think would be acceptable for Juve? Uh, I'm looking at these possible lineups uh, for uh, Porto. They do have some players certainly in their attack. Musa Morega has been there for a while. He's capable of scoring some goals. Uh, Diaz gave Manchester City some problems. Um you know, during the league stage, he's a guy that you could certainly look at as a guy that's going to, they have a veteran defender there in Pepe, but you can get under his skin. If anybody that knows how to do it, it's going to be Cristiano. Yeah. Um, 
they show a possible lineup uh, for the Rossinetti of Chesney, uh, Danilo, Delict, Chiellini, Alexandro, uh, Chiesa, Rabio, Bentoncourt, McKenney, Marata, and Ronaldo. I think that would be the right balance of midfield work to diffuse what Porto will try to do going forward and then having that uh, threat and that danger going on the counterattack. Morata and Ronaldo just so much experience in the Champions League and in their ability to score goals. I think they will win this game um, and I think that they're going to put in a professional per- performance in doing so. They've not, I mean, you, the penalty here against Napoli, there haven't been a lot of goals Juve have been conceding. So even with some of the names that Porto can throw at Juve, I, I just think this Juve team has just gotten much more structured, much more organized. And in a game like this, they're going to have the know-how to navigate through the 90 minutes. I This is going to be, I'm going to I'm going to go tight here. It's going to go 1-0 to, to Juve and they'll take that back to the J. You said uh, you asked me what the what I thought an acceptable scoreline would be. I think for Juve going in this one, I think an acceptable one would be one one. Uh, going to Porto, fans or no fans, is always a daunting task to to do, right? Um, sure. And to come away with it with a score draw, I think would be uh, an excellent uh, result for them. But I think you know, considering the the points that you just made, I think you know this is a game that Pirlo will get it right. You know, if, if you know McKenny does start and some of these other guys having delict. And Chiellini back there. I mean, the, Porto is not, you know, some of these, you know, top Serie A teams that we've seen. And they're not some of the Porto teams we've seen in the past. Um, not having fans there is going to hurt Porto in the long run. I'm going to go another victory as well. I'm going to say 2-1 victory, two away goals for, for Juventus, and they're going to win that game. Um, I just I, I just like what they do in the experience that you mentioned about Morata and and, and Ronaldo. They're going to find ways to score. Ronaldo's going to get his, right? He's always, He always does. Um, but I think having you know, some of these midfielders are going to step up in this game. Uh, Pirlo is going to have these guys humming uh, much better than they did against Napoli, and that's no disrespect to what they did against Napoli, but sure. um, I think they can get a result in this one. Sure. Um, okay, so that was uh, Porto Juve. Looking forward to that game here on Wednesday. Uh, Europa League, we have three Serie A teams in action, all on the road uh, for the first leg. Uh, Roma is traveling to Braga. Uh, side note there, Paulo Fonseca managed at Braga uh, mm-hmm. and uh, had some success there as well. Milan traveled to Zervena Zvezda, um, uh, previously known as Red Star Belgrade. Uh, certainly, you know, some history there. Uh-huh. Uh, Milan having to play a qualifying round against them the year that they were allowed to be qualified for UEFA competition under Calciopoli, which they subsequently won the Champions League that season. Uh, also, um, uh, Red Star, Bel- Cervantes Vesda, and Milan, the con- a player connection there, Dejan Savicevic. Uh, so, does Stankovic uh, play there now, or does he, or did he, did he stop playing? Stankovic, I, I believe, is he the manager there now? Maybe he is. I, I yep. thought he was connection with him with Cervantes Vesda. So, yeah, he is the manager now at Cervantes uh, Vesda. And of so. course, you know they're going to play them just before Inter, so he's going to try to get under Milan's skin before the big derby. <laughs> yep. Yep, indeed. So, uh, you know, so that'll be a little bit of a uh, personal derby for him. Uh, and then Granada uh, hosting Napoli. Uh, you know, which team – okay, let's just look at it this way. Um, let's just – which team do you think will have the biggest struggle? Because these are uh, all tricky away matches. They are all tricky. Um if the fans were in attendance, 
of the three, well, that still makes it tough. Svaravena says the Red Star Belgrade uh, are very challenging to play at home. Some teams have played, you know, play them well. I think Liverpool played them very well last year, but for the most part, most teams that go into Belgrade struggle. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say it was either that game or the Braga against Roma matchup, uh, just because, you know, Braga does have a lot of talented players and, um, you know, playing against your former boss is something you're going to motivate them. And obviously, uh, Roma, we'll see what kind of lineup they put out there, but um, it should be a fairly equal match. But I think if if any of the three teams are going to have a, an easier go, easier, not necessarily easy, but easier, I think Napoli against Granada. Uh, I do like the the matchups in that one. I think um, Napoli are going to look to you know get more some more game time for Osiman and get him back into uh, match pitch ready. And so uh, I think they'll have a little bit easier game than they did because uh, Granada is not as good as like Sociedad, who Napoli faced in the in the in the group stage. So. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult no matter what for all three teams. It's not gonna be a cakewalk, but I think you know the first two games, Roma and Milan, they're gonna have a little bit of a tougher go. I think. What do you think? Um, Granada have a mix of experience and and young talent. Uh-huh. Uh, Darvin Machis is an interesting player, the uh, Venezuelan, uh, as as an example. But then they've got experienced players like Roberto Soldado, um, Jorge Molina. Uh, Kennedy, who you think should probably be in his 30s, he's only 25 years old, um, played for Newcastle and Chelsea. Uh, you know, so there are some names here. And they probably, you know, they didn't, they're not on the run that they were a season ago in La Liga, but they're still holding their own. They're in eighth. Uh, they're, in, they're sixth in terms of their overall home form on the season. So that'll make it somewhat interesting. I still think Napoli have, if they were successful against Real Sociedad or Sociedad, I can't see why they can't be successful here against Granada, uh, yeah. you know, and get something out of it. Gianni uh, says that Napoli has some injuries, but I still think that the talent that they do have that play, they're good. They're good. <laughs> the issue for Napoli is that this game is sandwiched in between just playing Juve and now having to go play Atalanta, you know. So how does Catuso navigate this, and 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 how does he make this work, and what does he go for? Um. Milan at Savannah's Vesda. I, I think that you know a draw, a score draw is acceptable um, with the derby on the horizon. There, 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 we go again. Another you know team that has a big game in front of them that they've got to navigate, figure out how they're going to navigate this one. Mandzukic starts and plays all the minutes he can possibly play. That's just you know that's that, that's one example. Zlatan's being saved for the derby. There's no way you're playing him in this game. Um, you know, among among other players. So I think the team that's going to have the biggest struggle is Roma. I really like this Braga team. Uh, yeah. You know, got to watch them a couple of times in the Europa League. Really like the way they play. Very entertaining. Vanderson Galeno is one of the guys that uh, you have to watch out for in that team. Um, and it's a Roma side that still can be susceptible defensively. And this is a Braga team that is very aggressive going forward. Um, you know, they have – they're in third – uh, behind Sporting and Porto right now in the Portuguese league, um, they're f- they're fourth in home form. Um, and then you take a look at some of the players that they have. Ricardo Horta is another one, the Portuguese international, uh, really talented player. Nicolas Gaetan brings a ton of experience to their team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they've got a, another team that has a mix of experience, but they've got some really young, talented players. Um, I think Braga is going to win on Thursday. Um, I'm going to give them a two-one win. I think Roma will get one, but I think that Braga are going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so it sets the stage. I think that Napoli and Milan will take advantage as home. 
for the second leg in some shape, form, or fashion. But it's Roma who's going to have to do um, the uh, do a little bit of work for the uh, home leg in the second leg. No, Michael, you didn't miss it. So <laughs> we're getting to it. So that was our uh, Cliff Notes Europa League preview. And uh, now a small matter of uh, Sunday, February 21st. Oh, what's that? Is this game really at – is it – is this really at 9 a.m. Eastern? This is not yeah. the uh, this is not the night game, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I would have thought I would have I would have thought for sure this was Get the kids up watching the game. <laughs> well, it's not. Yeah, this 8 a.m. I wake up before 8 a.m. anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so this isn't going to bother me one bit. But uh, Darby della Madonnina, Milan, Inter, top of the table clash. Uh, the first question is: Latang and Lukaku going to go at it again? I mean, yes, absolutely. yes, they're going to go at it again. Lata's going to egg him on. Yep. What happens now? He's going to keep a cool head. Uh, who who keeps the coolest head of, of both of them? I think is going to be key. Um, I'm curious what the lineup's going to be for Inter. Are they going to you know put a color off again? We saw how that worked the first two times, right? They're not going to put out color off. <laughs> Conte's not Conte's not making that mistake anymore. So. so. Uh, Gianni says, at least it's not a stupid 6.45 Eastern game. <laughs> that, yeah, is, that is true. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, I, I, look at, I look at these two teams right now, and I look at the form that they're in. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, my heart is going to pick Milan to win, and I'm going to back them all the way. But as, a, as trying to be an unbiased contributor to a Serie A podcast. This could be the game that launches Inter's Scudetto campaign because, and, and if, if they don't do it here, Inter won't win the title. I'm going to put that on the limit. They don't win this game. They are not winning the Scudetto. All right. So and if they don't win the game, if they don't win the game, you're saying if they don't win the game. Okay. If they don't win the game, they will not win the Scudetto. Okay. But if they win this game, Instead of a four-point lead, even I mean, I'm not going to say the race is over, yeah. but Inter's chances of winning this thing get that much better, in my opinion. Sure, a win, a win certainly is going to uh, boost anybody's confidence. I think in this game, going into before this weekend happened, uh, before the result of the Juventus game, I said, uh, I think on the last podcast, maybe the podcast before that, someone, the winner of this game has. Uh, the 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 two participants here, Milan and Inter, someone had to win to to win the Scudetto because Juve was hot on the trail, um, and at that point they were like three points behind or something like that. So they had to one of these two teams had to win to make because a draw would have helped Juventus. But now we saw Juventus loss over the weekend. Uh, Milan's you know gap now between them and Roma are six points, and then seven points between Inter and and Roma who are in third. A draw is not going to be the worst result for either team at this point. Um, where, whereas a week ago, it looked like it, it could have been a better result. <sighs> you know, I, I do want to say I want to see Milan win, um, obviously, but, uh, you know, I think the loss for Milan to Spezia came at the right time. Was it a great result to have? You don't want to play the way they played. You don't want to get a loss the way they did. No. But that's only going to motivate them. Had they lost by a cheap shot or something ridiculous, it would have been different, I think. The way they lost, it it's a big wake-up call to Spezia. We'll fire them up. Obviously, we want to see the fireworks between Lukaku and and, and Zlatan and even Romagnoli, as uh, David mentioned. Um, but I think you're right. If Inter, if Inter 
Inter wins this game, their their percentages for winning goes way up, I would think. Um, I still think these are the two teams are going to be neck and neck unless, you know, Milan has some kind of uh, – they capitulate some way down the stretch, which I don't see happening. Um, if you look at the depth, Inter are the ones who are the better team. Yeah. Um, this is a difficult – this is a difficult call, and because of that, and I hate to do it, uh, I think it's going to be a score draw in this game, which I think will suit both teams fine. Um, especially with that gap between you know the teams below them, um, does either team really need it? I I I I think if Inter doesn't win this game, they can still win Scudetto. And it's the same thing with Milan. I think if they don't win, they can still win Scudetto. Um, it's a it's an interesting battle between. I want to see what the lineups are going to be before I make my final decision because a lot could a lot could hinder on what what the two managers put out, especially Conte. But I think the way Conte has been lining up his teams as of late, he's been getting it right. We saw what he did against Juve, even though they lost, you know, zero zero in that game. Um, and then again, what they did against Lazio, they had they have a they have the potential to win this game, but it's a derby. Anything can happen, and if the fireworks yeah. happen, score draw. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two two. <laughs> okay, here are the things we got to look at. Um, first of all, Styles, Milan will be more than happy to have the ball. Uh, you know, and have it for for long periods of time, and work and work from the middle third of the pitch into into Inter's third. Inter are going to be more than happy to let Milan have the ball. Yep. All right, and then try to hit them on the break. How does here's here's the, the critical thing for Milan is how they organize themselves in a shape going forward. You know, and uh, you know to to avoid the counter now. I Cassie is going to just run all over the pitch because that's what he does, you know, yeah. and he's going to be able to recover. So it's going to be Benacer staying home. Um, and Benacer's role is going to have to kind of be in that deep lying midfield to help them move the ball. But once they've entered that final third, you're not going to see Benacer venture in there a lot. Um, and you're, he is going to try to be in positions where if Inter are trying to play direct out, to Lukaku, to Lataro, his role is to try to find where those passing lanes are and try to cut them off. Okay, not chasing the ball, but just being a distance where, okay, this is the lane from ball to Lukaku. I got to get myself somewhere in the middle of this. Okay, that's in those transition situations. Um, in When they're defending in, in the low block, when they're in their back third, I like what Barella's role was in the first game, man Mark Barella. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's going to be his, it's just this game, the roles are going to change for a lot of these players in thirds of the pitch. Um, so, uh, the concerning thing for me is what Jordan is referring to tail V Hakimi. David too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and David as well. I think that that is, that is the key. If Teo can somehow find an advantage, that's a big, big edge for Milan. I'm not encouraged after what happened in the first game. And I think that you're going to see Conte overload and put a lot of pressure on him because Teo Hernandez defensively struggles. He can sometimes be a yellow card waiting to happen. Um, and I think that they'll use that to, to their advantage. Um, does this mean Ashley Young might be the left wing back for Inter? You know, or even a guy like Adarmion uh, that might be that might suit them a little bit more defensively and that they put their emphasis on overloading to that side. Um, then the question is, is that for Milan, what do you do with that left winger? Because Rafael Leao is not going to be a guy that's going to want to track back. 
you know, does the do you go with this being a layout game? Do you go with Rebic? I'll go Rebic almost. Yeah. If, he's, if he's fit, put him in there. You need someone who's going to fight. He'll fight you, def- with, you know, defensively at least. Um, and you need that because Teo, I agree with the comments. I think Teo is going to – Teo Hakimi is going to be the big matchup. And I think how you defend Hakimi is important. Anybody who defends Hakimi needs help. Rebic needs to help or whomever's out there needs to help. And I think Rebic gives you more than layout defensively. Um, and, you know, I think uh, this game is going to suit up very similarly to the one Inter-Lazio where Inter are going to sit back, soak up the pressure, and try to hit him on the counter, especially with that speed that we're talking about. Uh, obviously now Lukaku with the speed, but uh, Hakimi and Arturo and, and whoever else they got, that they, they, they can catch you on the counter when you're, not, when you're not ready for it. And they're going to let Milan have the ball, hoping they make a mistake and then hit him on the blitz. Um, but I think the way you you counteract Hakimi on the right-hand side, he's going to be very pivotal for them because if he has a free reign to run all game long, it's not going to be good for Milan. Um, if they yeah. find a way to stifle him, put some body – if they couldn't get Rebic on him to put some body on him, make it difficult for him, you know, double-team him, make it difficult, I think they have a better chance of winning because Hakimi, yep. if, he's, if he's free to reign, it means nothing going right defensively. And last thing you want him in the box trying to set up somebody else because he'll find somebody or he'll get a shot off himself. So he's that kind of a player. So uh, I, I think everybody else will pretty much cancel each other out for the most part. You know, someone's going to make a big play here or there. Um, Brozovic has always been good in these kind of games, right? Um, yeah, Brozovic is excellent in the derby. He always is. Always is. So uh, it's it's a it's going to be a tough game, no doubt. The guy from Milan that has to nail it is Chalinolu. He's got to get in positions where he can get the ball. He's got to be in positions where he can create. And if he's doing that early and can put pressure on that interback three, um, that sets up really well for the Rosanetti. If he is struggling with his pass, if he's struggling to find those things, if he is not having the understanding with the players, much like what we saw in the Spezia game, this is going to be a long, long day for Milan. Um, for Inter, um, for Inter, the guy that really has to come through is, and I'm going to say it, it's going to be Nicola Barella. Okay. Um, last time out, he was man marked out of this derby with the exception of a couple of situations. Um, you know, uh, he, um, Ricky thinks Inter will take the win. Okay. Well, so, but Barella's got to try to find some freedom. Um, where he can create, where he can set guys up and, and play the role and put a lot of pressure on that midfield because you're going to have people trying to focus on occupying Hakimi, occupying the two forwards. The left wing back guy is not going to be as much of a threat for Inter. Now that I say that, let's Perisic starts and he probably braces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, this is probably a game sets up perfectly for Arturo. He's struggling for a while now. Obviously, he's going to get his opportunities to score a watch. It just yep. and he scores against us as well too. So, uh, yeah, no, I agree about that. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Someone was talking. I kind of got distracted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give it. And you know what? At the moment, and I hate to say this, and I, I I can't wait to be on this show next week and and be wrong. Okay, I can't wait. But I look at what what Inter's running out, the form that they're playing with, the the job that they're doing. Okay, um, I look at the history of these two managers against each other. They've met ten times. Uh, Pioli's only won once the the first round of this derby. Okay, uh, Conti's beaten them six times. They've drawn three. Um, 
you know, granted, a lot of those were Conte had Juve, <laughs> had some great Juve teams, and Pioli was middling between Fiorentina, yeah. you know, I don't think it was Lazio, but who knows. Um, but it's uh, but but it's going to come down. Those are going to be the two key players. Chalinolu for Milan, Barella for Inter, I think. You know, it could it could really come down to whoever out of those two have the better game. Uh, that team wins. So This is going to be my only take on Chalinolu um, because he's been a, a thorn in my side. He's been a great player for Milan this year, um, and he has been on this run for Milan. But he's asking for these big bucks. This is the type of game you need to step up and show you worth that six and a half million, seven million, whatever the hell you want. If he if he st- comes in this game, he steps up and plays the like the player who the money he wants. Give him that money right there after the game. Um, he needs to step up in this game because he's been quiet in some of these bigger games. Uh, he's 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 a fantastic player. He's put up some big numbers. This is the type of game he needs to step up because so many people are going to be man marked, so many guarded. I mean, you can pretty much cancel most of the players out. He needs to step up. Do. Great set piece deliveries, great passing, great you know defensive work that we know he can do. He needs to step up big time in this game. If he wants that freaking six and a half, seven and a half million uh, paycheck that he wants per year. So you know he does that. I'll give it to him right there on the spot if I had it. I mean I don't have it, but you know they should pay him. But I I need to see more from him, and especially this is the game to do it. So I'm gonna leave everyone in suspense, and I'm gonna wait till I see the lineups on Sunday morning to pick a winner. But for practical purposes right now, if you had to put me on the spot, I'm gonna slight. I'm gonna give Inter a slight win here, like something awfully odd that goes the Nerazzurri's way. And I'm just looking at it based on form. I'm looking at it based on the state of these teams, the depth, Conte's ability to go to a much much deeper bench than what Pioli has to work with. All of those things. Goal and assist for Hakan and a clean sheet for Gigio. Pay them whatever they want. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, I think you should give Gigi whatever he wants now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if Hakan gets a goal and assist, give him what he wants. Give yep. him $10 million, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> It'll be a hell of a game. Top of the table clash. I think the last time these guys were first and second in the Derby, Milan ran away 3-0 winners uh, under Allegri back in 2011. Uh, so, And I think we are we are in for a hell of a game here. So. The only definitive thing about this game is that after this game, before, during, and after this game, Milan is the center of Serie A at the moment. So it'll, it'll be the same way after this. Still top two. So Exactly. Exactly. So we're looking forward to a hell of a game on Sunday morning. So uh, uh, get some, get a good night's sleep on Saturday night. Set your alarms. No reason to be going out partying on Saturday. Where were you going to go anyway? It's a pandemic. COVID. Come so, on. Yep. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so that's the uh, preview della Madonina. And now we can get on to the important part, what everybody in the chat has been waiting for. Uh, enough of us blabbing. Let's get on with it. It's time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Who Won Calcio Twitter. I'll start this one off. Uh, this one comes in uh, from at Alessio Odim, I guess, whatever. So this is a picture of uh, uh, Bernadette from uh, Big Bang Theory, and it's uh, Bernadeschi's uh, best goals in the system 2021 in Europe. Best midfielder in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, off to a nice start there. Okay. Uh, Alessio Moro 96 at Alessio Moro 96. Romelu Lukaku, best goals and skills. Hashtag Juventus Inter. It's just a tree stump. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. This one comes from Yank. Yanks ranks at, at Yanks ranks. He says Matias Delict emptying his pockets after the game against uh, Juve in Copa Italia. He's got his keys. He's got his uh, wallet. He's got his phone, and he's got Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We always we always love those. Yes, uh, that, yeah. that 
Come on, I'm not on top. I'm on I'm 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 on top. I'm not on latest. That's why I'm not All seeing right. these damn things. Okay. Technology, I tell you. Um all right, so next one comes from at Sandro 01167331. Galliadini be like <laughs> hashtag Juventus entered that awful miss by Lataro Martinez. Oh yeah, Bobby Gags, Bobby Gags would have done it better. Oh, gag it on that play there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if your kids are watching this, please uh, hide them at the moment right now for this next one. Uh, this front comes from at Carl171. Lee highlights uh, Juventus Inter. Conte <laughs> taking it, crying. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then Agnelli with uh, Zhang. Oh. Oh. Good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> That's uh, all, all right. right. Moving on at D Russo two two three five. Andre Batania highlights 2020, 2021 goals and skills. Does he deserve a call up for Euro twenty twenty one? Pies for everyone. Nope. Busted his ass. bastard. Um, now oh. that's not fair to the Amazon guy. He's thinner than Batania. That's right. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, next one comes from at Juve underscore SoCal saying, uh, having Bernadeschi is like playing with two men down. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. This is true. This is true. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, our friend Rafa Rispo at Rafanopoli 83. Spezia right now. Uh, hashtag Spezia Milan. Hashtag who won tell. He, he nominated himself. That's it. It was. I mean, Spencer was like Hulk Hogan. They get that goal and they're like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. So this one comes in from uh, nominated by at V U G H T E L I N G. And it's uh, Eric Trump being out 2 nothing, And he says, Eric Trump is a, clo- is a closet Spencer supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, pertaining to uh, 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 his dad uh, escaping impeachment twice. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, in spe- escaping being convicted of impeachment uh, uh, twice or whatever was coming along with that. Okay, so uh, Gianni Donacoli, he gives that. Oh, this is all. This play is under review. Sorry. I'm, yeah. We're at, we're at, uh, um, at T dot underscore Defoso. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Chiellini going to get sent off or no? <laughs> For the pitch slap. <laughs> uh, okay, this uh, one. Uh, comes from uh, Paris Snitch, uh, and you got to read this thread. It's a pretty funny thread by him, but it says uh, the first one is I made some lovely interrelated Valentine's Day cards for you guys to use. Thank me later, fellas. The first one is I miss you more than I miss a shot on goal. <laughs> one of these other ones, uh, he got one from uh, for Sensi. Seeing you makes my knees weak. <laughs> Andanovich, your smile is the only thing that moves me. <laughs> Uh, with Erickson, I would sit on the bench all day with you. <laughs> Hakimi, seeing you makes my heart race faster than me. All right. <laughs> off, meeting you was not a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes on and on, uh, Lukaku and so on and so forth. You got a guy who's going to read the thread. Uh, <laughs> heart is not the only thing going big for you. <laughs> yeah. I stopped there because of that. But yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. Very, perfect. Very well done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My love for you is more real than my hair. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I think we know who our winner is. 
Eric, has Paris Snitch won before? I, th- I want to say that he has. He has. He has to. He's so okay. funny. So. All right. Uh, Scott Monroe, our friend uh, Scott underscore Monroe getting on the board. Arik Milik, latest Instagram story, throwing shade to Napoli owner De La Rentis. No love lost there on Valentine's Day. Uh, memories. Happy St. Valentine's <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Eric. Oh, mercy. Oh, next one's from Gianni. He's in the chat. It says, uh, look at all the elite fours that play in Serie A. He goes, uh, Ibrahimovic, Lukaku, Immobile, Dzeko, Ronaldo, <laughs> and Insigne, or Insigne lookalike. It's his nice little tiny <laughs> pack there. So. I think it's funnier that he's got Dzeko in there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's all of them right there. Um, uh, Paris, Paris Niche wins. Paris Niche's thread's got to win. I you know, Chat, what do you think? But I, I think that's by far the funniest one. <laughs> Oh, you got to read the whole thread. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. Oh. Uh, what's this says? Uh, oh, my goodness. Hey, man, it's my third all-time for Roma's Queen. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, yeah. Paris Niche was a funny thread. If you haven't read it yet or haven't seen it, go check it out. We'll retweet it for sure. Uh, certainly a uh, a fun thread there. So, yeah, nice nicely job. Nice, nice job done, I should say. And um, Yep. While you tweet that out, uh, for those of you listening uh, on our YouTube here, make sure you go and uh, give us a subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Like, leave comments. Uh, any anything is much appreciated. Um, I did get a shout out on uh, on YouTube, so I want to give him a thank you. Uh, I'll send him a little personal message myself. So you're the man, man. All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So again, Pettisnitch, congratulations uh, on another uh, who won Calcio Twitter win. That was well played. Uh, yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, I mean, hey, we're we're getting some quality now with this stuff. So uh, so yeah, Johnny, you're gonna have to up your up your meme game definitely. 2021 so, is gonna be a hard winner to pick. You know, I I think the Star Wars one is right now the uh, clubhouse leader though. Still. Clubhouse leader. Yeah. I, I I I. But this one's gonna give it a run for its money. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you if if you if you're new to this, if you're on Twitter, um, you find something that is uh, Italian football related, very very funny, not offensive. Try not to be offensive. Um, you know, retweet it with a hashtag who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, this way, we can uh, put it on the board and have it nominated for the uh, next podcast. So um, we don't give away prizes. Did we give we give Zaniolo fan some uh, swag? Did you connect with him on that? Yeah, we did. We did, and we will hopefully see the fruits of the labor here with a, a picture soon. Uh, it's 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 hard to get to him, and he's in uh, Trinidad and Tobago, but something is something is on his way there. So it may, I think it's already there. So yeah, we'll see what he got here uh, shortly. Well, brace yourself. Serie A teams are now about to compete in Europe. I think we're going to get some more nominees <laughs> along the pipeline. So looking yeah. forward to it. So yeah. Yeah. with that, we will put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Shameless plug time, Richard. Uh, you could follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And uh, anybody who's in this chat, uh, give their podcast a follow. You got the Calci guys, Milano Miguel, Milan Weekly Podcast, uh, Ricky Buzz, you know, all, all these guys. They make some quality content. Go check them out. Uh, there's so many good Calcio content these days on YouTube and and uh, podcasts in general. So definitely give them a follow. If I miss you, not intentionally, we see you in the chat. Thank you all for the continued support. We appreciate it. Yeah, very much appreciated. Thank you all joining us in the chat uh, uh, this week and as always. Uh, and you can find me at FTC underscore 21. Um, I appeared on Man of the Match uh, with Alex Dono on Friday. Uh, 
previewing uh, some uh, previewing the games from this past weekend. Uh, I believe we're going to be on on Friday. I mean, he's on every day, uh, Monday through Friday at Onside Radio. So go check him out. But uh, I'll do my spots with him. Um, not every Friday, but uh, most Fridays. And uh, I believe this Friday with the Derby coming up, we'll be chatting about that, among other things. Uh, so uh, as of now, we're on, but that might that's always subject to change with uh, with radio programming. So certainly enjoy doing that. Shout out to Alex Dono for uh, continuing to have me on his uh, radio program uh, and with his audience down in South Florida. Um, Serie Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, you can find Serie Sit Down. Uh, here on the YouTube page, as Richard said, please subscribe, drop likes. Um, the subscribe is very important because then you get the notifications for when we go live again or if we drop many videos, uh, which is something that we're continuing to do. Um, uh, on the social media front, at City I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. We're across all social media platforms for you. So um, great job this week, Richard, as always. Uh, chat, thank you as always. And uh, enjoy the European games this week. Enjoy the Derby della Maronina on Sunday. Uh, don't forget Atalanta Napoli next weekend as well. Big, big game in terms of the uh, top of the table race. So uh, looking forward to all of it and looking forward to chatting about it next week with all of you. So for Richard, I'm Frank. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.